You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me, Zach Peter. That's me. And sometimes it's hard rooting for the anti-hero. Ooh, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday, everybody. What's going on? Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. Hopefully you had um, either some good family time, some good friend time, some good bedroom time. Maybe some of you guys got lit. Maybe some of you guys got laid. Whatever it is, I'm happy for you because I feel like it was a good one. And if it wasn't a good one, well, then, you know what, damn it, we can make it a new week, a good week, all of the goodness, right? Okay, well... I hope you're ready because there's a lot to break down on today's episode of Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. And I am very excited because we are also doing After Party. The one we have book club that's, we have a new book that we're kicking off. We've been reading Tom Bauer's Revenge for like the past 24 fucking weeks. And as much as it was enjoyable to like get to learn all the Meghan Markle tea, it was such a long book. It's 43 chapters. My God, it was long. But now it's finally over. Now we're moving on to Matthew Perry's book. Friends, Lovers, and The Big Terrible Thing. We don't know what The Big Terrible Thing is yet, and I looked at the table of contents, and it looks like we're probably not going to know what The Big Terrible Thing is until the very end of the book. But, I mean, I would assume The Big Terrible Thing was maybe, you know, maybe he, like, tried to date Jennifer Aniston, and she said no, and that was terrible, right? Maybe it had something to do with Courtney Cox, because then she married David Arquette, and maybe that was The Big Terrible Thing, because he wanted to marry Courtney Cox. Or maybe, like you know, something bad happened to him off of friends and like out in the real world. I don't know what the big terrible thing is. Maybe it's probably his addiction. I bet you anything the big terrible thing is going to be, oh, I was addicted and I am an addict. And that's the big bad terrible thing. And if that's what it is, then we, cat's out of the bag, Matthew. Thank you. But we already figured that one. We cracked the code on that one. So who knows what the big terrible thing is? We won't know until the end of the book. But we'll kick off the first couple of chapters this week, this Tuesday, on Book Club, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 Eastern on the YouTube, youtube.com slash JustPlainSack. So head over there right now, subscribe, and get ready. Be sure to grab a copy of Matthew Perry's book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. It's available in my Amazon storefront, so you can go to amazon.com slash shop slash Peter. And you can order it there if you want to make sure you're, you're ready. The book itself has like chapter one. And then there's like, I guess, stories or chapters in between each chapter. So at least for this week, we'll be doing the prologue, chapter one, the first interlude, chapter two, and then the second interlude. So we're probably going to be only, yeah, we're probably only going to be doing like one or two, maybe three chapters per week, including the interlude. So it's probably like four chapters total. Anyway. Those are the the chapters for this week. Also, I'm doing another after party this Thursday. And you guys, I have tea. 
I have tea, I have tea, I have tea. So I have some tea on what was inside Rinna's receipts folder that no one knows about, not even Andy Cohen, because I know Andy went on his radio show and he was like, I know what was in the folder and this is what was in the folder. Well, I know a piece of information that was in the folder and I'm ready to tell you guys all about it because nobody else, I don't think anyone else knows this piece of information and I'm ready to reveal it this week. And it's also, it's it's going to be a very interesting revelation for a lot of you guys, um, but it's going to confirm a couple of things. Um, so there's that. But I also have a really juicy story because over the weekend, I met Sutton's assistant, Josh, and OMG, we must discuss because I have to mention it all, you know, and you're going to die when you actually find out what my experience was. It was juicy and I have tea and it was, um, yeah, I will say that he definitely knew who I was. He definitely was not a fan. Um, he probably does listen to hashtag no fail to it, Zach Peter, but he's definitely not a fan. So we'll talk about it. We will talk about that interaction and the Rinna Receipts this Thursday night. So you can sign up for my YouTube membership. It's only $2.99 a month. It's cheaper than OnlyFans. And I feel like the tea is better than like a dick pic. You know, I mean, I could give you a dick pic, but like this tea is better because I feel like it just, it satiates in a different way. I mean, I'm sure a dick pic also satiates, but live stream this Thursday night, Zach Pack members only. It's going to be good. It's going to be after our regular live stream. Get ready. Okay, what do we want to start with today? We have a lot to break down. We have Ashley and Luke to talk about. We have Real Housewives of Beverly Hills casting rumors to talk about. Tom Schwartz is finally talking about uh, talking out about Katie and Raquel. There's some new Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Season 4 cast rumors swirling around. Bethany has a new podcast. Okay, let's take it from the top. Make it drop. That's some wet and gushy. Okay, actually... Over the weekend, I started watching the new season of Manifest and the new season of, or not the, not the new season, but the first season of Buying Beverly Hills. Yes, because I do think it's going to come back for another season. So all the haters can suck it, suck Mauricio's big fat dick, period. Okay. Love me some Manifest. I don't know if anybody watches Manifest. It was on, it was on some regular network and then like some basic channel network. And then eventually it got canceled and then Netflix bought or picked them up for a fourth season. So the fourth season's finally out and it pissed me off. I don't know if anybody's watched it. I'll probably do a recap of Manifest later this week if anybody cares. But I will say it did piss me off. No spoilers. I won't give any spoilers. But I will say... For anybody that's planning on watching it, I don't want you to go in and get left heartbroken the same way I went in and was left heartbroken at the end of it because I went in and I binged all 10 episodes of that were released, right? Because I was told this is the fourth season. This is the final season of Manifest, right? So we're supposed to get all the answers answered. Well... I made it through all 10 episodes only to be left with a cliffhanger, only to find out that there's a part two. There's a season four part one and a season four part two. And I was livid. I was like, oh my God, how is it going to end? How are they going to wrap everything up? What's going to happen? And then boom, cliffhanger. And I was like, what? And then I Googled and I found out that there's a a part two and it's already been filmed and we don't even know when it's going to air. There's no release date yet. Um, Some people are saying it might not even air until next year. And I'm like, that is a hard no. That is going to be a swipe left for me. Sorry, I swiped right. That is going to be a swipe left for me. And not today, Satan. Not today, Angelina. So now I have to sit and wait for the second part of Manifest to come. And it's just, 
It's not coming quick enough. It's like when you're in bed and he's taking a little too long. You're like, all right, I got to hurry this up. Like, I faked it. Can you? (sighs) But I also did watch um, Buying Beverly Hills. And I thought it was incredible. I love Buying Beverly Hills. It is my new favorite show on Netflix. It has a warm family aspect to it. It has some levity. It has drama. It's, you know, I think it's everything a good real estate show brings to the table, but it has the familial family aspect of it, which I think gives it a lot of heart, which makes it a lot more F-U-N. We love F-U-N, right? We want all the F-U-N. It's F-U-N and it has drama and it has all the good stuff. So... I thought it was great and it made my heart just like explode because their family, like we get to Mauricio, we get to know more of like Mauricio's upbringing and, you know, him and Kyle and them struggling and all that stuff. He doesn't mention Rick Hilton and a lot of people are mad that he didn't give Rick Hilton credit for like his mega, you know, successful empire. And they're like, I can't believe he didn't give Rick Hilton credit. But I mean, whatever. I don't really care. I mean, I guess Rick Hilton did give him a start, yes. I don't know why it's not acknowledged in in buying Beverly Hills. Obviously they're not on great terms. So it's like if your boss was a douchebag and doesn't and you're like not on great terms with the boss, then or your ex boss, your former boss, then like why would you give I don't know. I don't really care. It's a good show and I'm gonna continue watching it. I'll finish it and maybe we'll do a recap this Thursday night when we do our regular Thursday night. We'll do a full buying Beverly Hills recap. People are surprised that Kyle isn't in it. It seems like a contract issue to me. I'm not really bothered that Kyle's not in it. Um, I think the fact that she isn't in it and the show still has done so well, I think, you know, speaks to the longevity of it. It's not super focused on Mauricio Farah and Alexia, but they are some of the main characters in it. But they have a lot of other people that also kind of mix things up. Um, I would recommend watching it. Give it a good binge. Okay, let's talk about Ashley and Luke because we've had an Ashley and Luke spotting over the weekend. They went on a double date with Carl and Lindsay to a sports game, to a sports, was it the champions? I don't, I honestly don't know what the champions are. Um, But they went to a sports thing with Carl and Lindsay and they were there. And I think that they're a cute couple. Obviously, we know Luke from Summer House and Ashley from Real House as a Potomac. They met at BravoCon. And after BravoCon, they seem to have kept in contact. Listen, I think we all know that they aren't going to last. But it's hot while it, it's happening. You know what I mean? It's not going to go anywhere. I think Luke and Ashley, you know, they both have like a slower, simpler life. You know, she's in Maryland. He's from Minnesota. But I just... So I get that they have like that simple life vibe, no big city, no fast life. Like it's a little more, you know, their their pace is a lot slower, which is fine. But I think he's still pretty young at heart and she's got two babies and I don't think he wants to be a stepdaddy just yet. And she's looking for her next sugar daddy. So I don't think it's actually going to work out. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. She needs a man that can make her feel safe and secure and loved and help her work through those daddy issues she so desperately has. And there's nothing daddy about Luke. Like, I don't even think I would want to call him daddy in bed. I don't even think he would choke me in bed. And like, you want Luke to choke you, right? Because you're like, God, he's hot in that tattoo and the hands. and Oh, oh, you know, gobble me, swallow me, drip down the side of me, quick jump out for you, let it get inside of me. 
I think Luke probably is great in bed, but he doesn't give off daddy vibes. He gives off more of like stepson at college vibes. Like Zsa Zsa Gabor. Remember when we were reading House of Hilton and we found out Zsa Zsa Gabor slept with her stepson? That's the vibe that like Ashley and Luke have. Luke is the stepson. Luke is like Michael Darby's older son who's off at college who he had because that was an oopsie whoopsie back in high school or maybe early into college, right? The condom broke. We decided we were going to hit it raw. Who knows? But anyway, then we had Luke and Luke was off at college and then he came home and and then Michael Darby's like, listen, this is my new wife, Ashley Darby. And then Luke's like, oh, I have a hot stepmom and she's young and she's like close to my age. And Ashley's like, damn right, I'm a hot young stepmom. And then ultimately they like run off together. So I don't think they're going to last, but he's fun for right now. And that's good for right now and good for them. And let him, let him chop her wood, right? Isn't that what he does? He chops wood or let her chop his wood, right? Let her chomp on his wood. That sounds better. It was funny though, because they did post a TikTok video and you can sense like her level of annoyance when she's like trying to teach Luke and and uh, Lindsay and Carl how to dance in the TikTok video because obviously Ashley Darby loves to do TikTok. I think she's like around the same age as all of them too, right? So she's trying to teach them to do the TikTok and they don't know how to do the TikTok and they're really bad dancers and she was killing it and they were not killing it. So that's probably another check mark against him. They're not going to last, but they're hot and I'm here for it. Ashley's a gorgeous woman. Like Ashley Darby... Like, I know Michael doesn't want to have any more, like, threesomes, but, like, why would you need more threesomes when you have Ashley? The only thing that would make that threesome hotter is if you throw Candace into the mix. And, like, that would be a real hot, spicy threesome, you know? And then you could have Giselle, and Giselle would be in the corner eating, like, Lay's potato chips. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Real Houses of Beverly Hills because we have some new casting rumors. Us Weekly is like, we got some tea, we got a source, let's spill the tea sources, okay? So according to Us Weekly, Diana and Crystal are on the chopping block per their insider source, and their insider source had all bunch of tea to mention, right? So Diana and Crystal are likely going to be chopped off and not going to be returning, which I'm kind of glad about because we can do without Crystal, right? Kathy and Rinna are up in the air. They're taking into consideration, you know, all the fan takes, you know, fans love Kathy, but fans are hating Rinna and we don't like Rinna and Rinna's problematic and blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, this season is so dark. It's so dark. It was unwatchable. My eyes were bleeding as I couldn't stop watching, but it was unwatchable. And I guess they're, t- they're up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen with Kathy. We don't know. I don't think Kathy's going to come back. Well, I don't know. Cause Kathy said she won't come back without, she won't come back with Rinna and with Erica. And then with Rinna, I mean, I feel like there isn't a show without Rinna, though. And to everyone that's like, oh, it's so dark and it's so evil and it's so this and it's so that. I'm like, Beverly Hills was always dark, you guys. Like, season one. Like, we've had addiction, substance abuse, addiction, suicide, domestic violence, illness. Uh, what's her name? Not Diana. What Yolanda, when she had Lyme disease and she brought her like will out to her children, like that was pretty dark. So I think this was one of the lesser dark seasons of 
Beverly Hills. I don't think it's been that dark in a while. So I'm I'm down for Rinna to come back. I wouldn't even mind if Kathy wanted to come back either. I think Kathy brings like nice, fun levity. Dorit's looking at a friend of role next season, which I think just makes sense at this point. I don't think she carries as much of a strong storyline. And she's great comic relief, right? She gave us so much. She gave us Homeless Not Toothless. She gave us wind chimes, the chic wind chimes. She gave us carcass out. So we had a lot that Dorit was able to bring to the table and it wasn't like meaty storyline. So I can see Dorit possibly being a friend of. I do know Dorit almost didn't come back last season. And I wonder if it was because they were trying to make her a friend of and she's like, nah, I won't come back unless I'm full time. I don't remember what it was. I just remember it was like days before filming was supposed to begin and Dorit had not signed her contract. And then at the last minute, they ended up picking her up and then the home invasion happened. So it was like it ended up working out. So Us Weekly also says, according to their source, that there's talks of Lisa Vanderpump coming back and talks of Brandy Glanville coming back. There's no mention in the article of Kyle Sutton, Garcelle, Cherie, or Erica. I would assume Kyle Sutton, Garcelle, and Erica will be getting a full contract pickup. So the four of them, I'm pretty sure, will definitely be back. I don't see Lisa Vanderpump coming back. I just don't think she has... She's not friends with Erica. She's not friends with Rinna. She's not friends with Kyle. I don't think she's really friends with Sutton. The only person she would come back with is Garcelle. I just don't see Lisa Vanderpump coming back. Brandy, I think, has a really strong strong chance of returning, and I think enough people want Brandy back. And I would love to see her and Rinna on the show together. I would love to see her and Sutton on the show together. Like, I think Brandy's really going to come and, and shake things up again, and I think it's time. I think we take Brandy off pause, and we give Brandy a shot to really bring it, right? I think we can get rid of Crystal and bring back Brandy, and I'm cool with that. Diana, I don't feel one way or the other. I will be fine if she comes back, and I'll be fine if she doesn't come back. I'm not really... I like Diana, but I I know she did not have a good season, and I know she just didn't really shine in the best way this season. So I think I'm okay if we lose Diana. Um, but yeah, Crystal, we can definitely get rid of. I'm cool with that. I don't understand the people that are like fighting to keep Crystal on it. Like, what does Crystal bring to the show? Crystal has no friends. Crystal has no loyalty. Crystal blocked me, by the way, on Instagram. I was really surprised because I was like, I used to love Crystal and I used to always say such nice things about Crystal season one. I was like, yes, Crystal. Like I was all about the Crystal, right? Give me all the Crystal and not Kim Richards Crystal because that's the Crystal math. I'm talking about the Crystal Minkoff. And I don't know why she blocked me. I assume it's probably, you know, because she didn't like what I had to say about her performance at the reunion. But I mean, come on. It was a terrible performance at the reunion. There are only two housewives that have me blocked, by the way. And it's Crystal Minkoff and Jen Shaw. And I think they're both professional victims. And so it makes sense that they would feel victimized by me and my commentary. Whatever. The show's currently on a break. They don't begin filming again until it's rumored that they'll be back come January. So at least after the holidays, some people are like, oh, my God, they put the show on pause the way they put Beverly Hills or not Beverly Hills, the way they put New York on pause. And oh, my God, this is not a good sign and it needs a break. And you guys like forget like Potomac was on a break for a whole year. Last year, Potomac wrapped up in August. The reunion aired last August, right? 
And they didn't start filming again until a few months ago because the season just started up again right now. So it started up a whole entire year after or beyond when the last season wrapped. So it's standard that we take long breaks and pauses. It was uncharacteristic of when we would like start taping right after the reunions, right? And I guess Bravo like wanted to make sure we kept everything tight and kosher. But I think it's good that they have at least a little time off, right? They have a good four-month break. I think they need a little four-month break. Take some chill time. Be with the family. Spend the holidays. Do the thing. Give everybody a chance to breathe. And then we'll bring it back and everything will be cool. So I'm here for it to pick up again in January. And for everyone to be like, all right, got through the holidays. Now I'm ready to get back to work. Let's talk Vanderpump Rules because Tom Schwartz hosted a party. It was a one-year anniversary party that he was at. And he told Us Weekly that he is staying out of the drama between Katie, Katie Maloney, his ex-wife, and Raquel Levis, who is a co-star on Vanderpump Rules now. Because Katie called Raquel a fangirl, remember? And she's like, she's she was a fan of the show and she got that. And now she's a fan of the Toms and she's just thirsty. Well, Tom Schwartz says that he cares for Raquel and that Katie's his girl. So he's like, I'm staying out of it. Don't put me in the middle. Don't put baby in the middle unless it's the middle of a threesome. And so he thinks that Raquel is very supportive of him and Sandoval. And he thinks that it's very genuine. And he's like, yes, she genuinely wants to support us. She's very sincere in wanting to support us. And I'm just like, listen, I'm sure she is. I'm sure she's sincerely interested in Tom's little Schwartz. Mm-hmm. I think she wants a little taste. And she make, listen, I don't care if you can't get it up. I know where to get some Viagra. Let's do it, Tom Schwartz. I think she wants some of that Tom's good loving. And no, I'm not talking about their whiskey line. I think they're a cute couple. I think she's the perfect rebound. I think they're the perfect rebound for each other, right? Because Tom just got out of his marriage and he needs to have a little fun. I'm sure Tom's going to enjoy single life. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, put your hands up. So I'm here for it. I think they should hook up and have fun and do their thing. I think Raquel may be a little thirsty. After hearing Katie say it and now like starting to put it in perspective, I think Raquel might be a little thirsty. I think Raquel wants to be in the drama. She wants to be in the line of fire. She knows that it's great for the show. She doesn't mind fighting with Katie. Like I actually think Raquel ain't ain't against getting messy and a little petty spaghetti. And Katie's like, I'm gonna call a bitch out because that's what I do. She's like, Lala, remember when I called you a hoe? Call him like I see him. So leave Schwartzy out of it. He just wants to stay out of the drama. There are some rumors going around that Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Season 4 is going to be picking up again early next year and that the theme is going to be dynamic duos. And the dynamic duos are going to be Real Housewives of New Jersey's Margaret Josephs and Dolores Catania, Real Housewives of Orange County's Gina and Emily, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Garcelle and Sutton, and Real Housewives of Potomac's Ashley and Robin. And so it's rumored that they're going to be going to Hong Kong to go and film it. I can tell you that this rumor is low budget and it's not real. I don't know where it started. I don't know who's trying to push it. I just know that it was going around on Twitter and then I saw it going around on Instagram. 
I tried to dig, dig into it. I tried to verify it. I couldn't verify any of this information. It appears that none of it is true. I don't know if Hong Kong is the next location or Dynamic Duos is the theme of the next one, but these are not the women in the mix, okay? So there's that. Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Season 4. Who knows what's going to happen with that, but that we will file under low budget. Bethany Frankel has a new podcast, everybody. She had Just Be, and now she has Rewives. That is what it is called. It is called Rewives, where she rewatches old housewives shows with people like Jerry Springer and like other celebrities, and she gets them to weigh in on it. And she's like, so Jerry Springer, what do you think about Teresa flipping a table? And Jerry Springer's like, oh my God, she flipped a table. Oh, I've seen worse on the Jerry Springer show. I'm sure Jerry Springer is not jazzed by any of these women. Jerry Springer has like seen all of it. He's seen it all. I don't think he's even going to be remotely impressed by this show. If anything, he's just doing it as favor to Bethany. And it seems like she got her publicist to get all the favors in and get all the people on and make them watch Housewives. And I'm not interested. It's a recycled concept. It's literally what everyone's doing right now. It's the rewatch shows. Let's go back and let's rewatch it. But the thing is, and I was talking about this with my friend Jess from Hot Takes and Deep Dives. And I think it was her. Maybe I was talking about with Jacques from Unpopular. Anyway, I literally talk to them like every day about all of this crazy shit. But it's not a new concept. It's not innovative. It's recycled. It's the same shit that other people are doing right now. But the reason it's working for other people is because the shows that they're rewatching are old shows that have nostalgia with them, right? We have Back to the Beach with Kristen and Steven. Why? Because Laguna Beach was such a big show back in the day. And now we're rewatching The Hills with all the cast members because now we're breaking the fourth wall. Now we're telling the fans of these shows what was really going on and what was fake and what was real and here's the context you didn't get from that scene and here's, you know, all of that sort of stuff where you can't really talk about that for a show that's currently airing. So I get that she's like, I'm going to go back and watch and react to, it's basically a reaction show. But again, other people do that all the time with like Gilmore Girls and One Tree Hill and all of that sort of stuff. We go back and we rewatch it and we recap it and we do the thing and cute, right? It's nothing new, Bethany. Luann was on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, Everything Iconic, and there she was just like, oh, well, all of Bethany's pivots have failed. So naturally, she's just going to end up coming back to the housewives like she always ends up doing. She always ends up coming back to the housewives. Luann really shaded her in the Daily Pellegrino, in the Danny Pellegrino episode interview. So you should go and listen to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino because it was a really good interview. And Luann did not hold back. She was not about to refrain from mentioning it all. And even Carol decided to jump in and she's like, listen, bashing housewives is what Bethany does best. And Bethany always comes back to what Bethany knows. So, I mean, Carol's a bit of a hater herself, but I'm actually team Carol on this one. I actually am siding with Carol because I'm like, I agree. That's what made her famous the first time was housewives. She knows that she's, she doesn't really have anything strong without it. It's just another rewatch podcast. I don't think anybody cares to rewatch Housewives. Like Housewives isn't at a legacy level yet where we want to go back and not just like if we're going to rewatch Housewives, we'll go back and rewatch Housewives. We're not going to rewatch Housewives and then care what Jerry Springer has to say about it when we're Housewives fans and Jerry Springer doesn't know who Ramona Singer is. You know, 
It's like the reason these rewatch shows for Housewives works is because you're with other fans. You're like, oh, my God, I forgot this. Or do you remember this? Or can you believe this? And there's like this hype and excitement about it. Bringing in some random celebrity to come and talk about a show that they really don't give a shit about and are only doing this as a favor to Bethany. It's not that interesting. I'm sorry. She keeps trying to really sell us on this innovative concept. And it's a no for me. Sharks, I'm out. It ain't going to happen. I don't care to watch it. I don't think it's that exciting. She's over here bragging. She's like, look at us. We're in the top charts right now, and we're number one, and we're number five in the top charts, and we're killing it, and we haven't even launched yet. I hate that. We haven't even launched, and we're charting. Bethany, shut up. Now I need to mention it all, because let me explain how these fucking charts actually work. Any new show is going to rank in the top charts. It's how it works, okay? For multiple reasons. One, Apple prioritizes new shows. They even have a new and noteworthy category. So new shows always have a greater chance of landing in the top 100. It's harder for older podcasts like my own that have been around for a while to sustain those rankings because Apple likes to shuffle the newbies to the top to help them build momentum and to help, you know, hopefully bolster their following or whatever. Apple likes to prioritize newer podcasts and it likes to focus on the ratings and the numbers that you get within the first two weeks. That's why the first two weeks of a launch are so crucial. And that's why it's always like you tell people, oh, go and leave me a review or be sure to subscribe and all that. And that's why you get that bump in numbers. And then that bump in numbers also helps you stay at the top. But here's the thing. If you if your podcast is going to have 100 loyal followers, then th- there's a good chance that most of those followers are going to come in at the very beginning. And those are going to be your loyal followers. So you're not going to get 100 new followers every single week. So you're sustainability in those charts is not going to last. You know, there's always a lot of traffic that's going to a new show because when they're announced, people want to check it out. They want to see what it's all about. They're interested, right? They want to go and listen to the trailer. They want to see, oh, are there any guests that are coming up? Let me subscribe. Let me support this person. So naturally, there is going to be a lot of traffic going to new podcasts when they launch, which again, helps them land in the top charts. People always tune in at the start. They'll always listen to your first episode, but everyone lives to support you at the beginning, but it's harder to get people to keep tuning into you week after week after week. On launch day, everyone's down. That's why it's smart that like when you launch a podcast, it's good to launch with like two, three, four episodes. The last podcast that I launched, Adulting, after No Filter, Adulting launched in what, uh, 2018? I had hashtag No Filter, and then in 2018, I launched hashtag Adulting, which was more of like a wellness lifestyle type of podcast. Or it started wellness and then it it broadened into more general lifestyle stuff within adulting, right? We launched, we debuted in the top 30. Um, It was great. We we dropped four episodes at the start. We announced two weeks out because those first four weeks, that first four months, that first month, the first four weeks are the most crucial. So that's when you want all the traffic to really come because that's when Apple is going to determine whether or not your podcast is truly new and noteworthy, right? I'm getting a little too technical on all of this, but I'm just explaining to you guys. We dr- You drop four episodes on launch day. You make sure that there are teasers. You have... Um, a trailer, you keep the window of when you announce to when you want people to go and listen. You keep that window tight. I'm talking like two weeks, one week. I would not, I don't think it's smart to do a month. Um, You may be able to like kind of filter through some traffic throughout that month, but it's a lot harder to kind of sustain it. So usually you'll, you'll peak at the top when you announce it because everyone wants to go and see and support you. And then you have a bit of a plateau and then you peak again once you actually release the episodes. I think it's smarter to shorten that time frame and announce within like two weeks 
have the announcement, continue to push it over those two weeks because then you don't become obnoxious with your promotions. And then when it's actual launch day, there are four episodes that people can listen to. And some people will binge them and listen to all of them in one shot. And sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I will continue to listen to these over the next couple of days or over the next week or whatever until the next episode comes out. It doesn't even hurt to drop, you know, two episodes the following week. I think, well, actually, I think do four episodes up front and then do it weekly from there on out. That way, at least the four episodes, people will get a different idea of the types of episodes and the types of content that you're going to be putting out there. I'm getting too technical. I don't even get why I'm explaining this. Welcome to my masterclass on how to launch a podcast. Anyway, my point in all of this is that... It, it makes sense why Bethany's show is in the top charts right now without her even launching. It's not impressive, though. To me, I'm not jazzed by it. I'm not jizzing over it because it's like it's not that hard to do. Me getting that ranking right now is a lot harder to do because my podcast has been around for a minute and, you know, I have to kind of keep that sustainability. It's a lot harder for me to get a thousand new new subscribers tomorrow than it would be for someone launching a new podcast tomorrow. Because a thousand people aren't subscribed to their podcast already. So I'm not impressed with Bethany's, you know, skyrocketing at the top. Because same thing happened with her last podcast, right? She went and she launched the last one, Just Be, and it was a top charting podcast. And it was great. And she was like, yes, we're in the top. And then Hillary Clinton and work the bomb.com. And then all of a sudden, she plateaued. And her show isn't doing so well anymore. So, yeah. Happens all the time. A successful launch is not impressive. Successful sustainability is impressive. So sorry, Bethany, I'm not impressed. And yes, I did mention it all. But by the way, since I did mention Back to the Beach, if anybody watched Laguna Beach, Stephen and Kristen Cavallari host that show with Dear Media. It's actually interesting. I never watched Laguna Beach, but I know it's coming to like Netflix. So maybe I'll go back and watch Laguna Beach. I watched The Hills, but I never watched Laguna. But the reason I bring this up is because Lauren Conrad is actually going to be on Back to the Beach with Stephen and Kristen. That is iconic. That's major. Lauren, Kristen, Stephen, the love triangle, the Laguna Beach, they had to have paid Lauren for this. Like, there's no way Lauren did it for free. And good for Dear Media. I'm pretty sure Dear Media was like, Lauren, we'll put some respect on your check. We'll give you a good 10K to come and appear and do this. Maybe a good 5K. I don't really know. Actually, it would be smart for advertisers and brands because you can be like, listen, you get the Lauren Conrad episode and you know everybody's going to listen to the Lauren Conrad episode. So I'm excited. If you're a Laguna Beach fan, Lauren doesn't do podcasts and she does not talk about the hills. So she did a, a 2020 reunion with the Laguna Beach cast where Kristen and Lauren did it. They didn't really have any interactions together. So it is interesting that now they're, you know, in the same dynamic together. I'm excited. I think she did it because there was less drama with Laguna Beach than there was with the Hills, where there's still drama with the Hills. And Laguna Beach, like, people just look back and remember it, and it was messy, and they were teenagers and whatever. So just if you like Laguna Beach, it's going to be better than Rewives with Bethany Frankel. I'm not going to listen to Rewives. I don't even listen to Bethany's podcast now. Especially because she's like such an insult to podcasters because she's always like, I don't listen to other podcasts. I've never listened to another podcast. I don't even know what another podcast sounds like. I wouldn't even know how to listen to a podcast if I wanted to listen to a podcast. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You have a podcast. Stop being a bitch. I used to love Bethany and she is just continuing to like circle the drain. And I'm just like, girl, not today, Satan, not today. So in other news, moving on from Bethany, Aaron Carter, you guys. My heart, my heart, Aaron Carter passed away. Pop star Aaron Carter 
found dead in, by his house sitter in his bathtub at his Lancaster home over the weekend on Saturday. It appears he passed of an accidental drowning, possibly an overdose. Um, I don't think it was intentional. Officers said that they found no sign of any foul play. I'm thinking maybe he got high and fell asleep in the tub. It's sad, you know? I mean, it's terrifying that you can, like, get high or get lit and, like, fall asleep and then, like, drown. Like, you would think, like, once you're drowning, like, don't you think you would wake up at that point? But, I mean, unless you're, like, really out of it. And that's, it's sad. I just, I remember, I want candy. I want candy. I want candy. And they would have that on like all the commercials for like the, I don't remember what candy, but they would have it and it was fun. And Aaron Carter, like I loved Aaron Carter, the Lizzie McGuire episode with Aaron and he kisses Lindsay and it's her, or Lizzie and it's her first kiss. Oh, yes. Loved Aaron Carter growing up. And obviously he struggled a lot and, you know, had his demons and his fair share of battles that he was struggling with. But it, it's unfortunate and, you know, I'm sad that he passed away. Used to love me some Aaron. Hillary Duff actually spoke out. She posted on her Instagram. She said, I'm so deeply, uh, said for Aaron, I'm deeply sorry that life was so hard for you and that you had to struggle in front of the whole world. You had a charm that was absolutely effervescent. Boy, did my teenage self love you dearly. Sending love to your family at this time. Rest easy. Which makes me sad because they dated and I loved it. And it was just, oh, oh. It is very sad. And then his brother Nick spoke out and Nick wrote on his Instagram. He did a a series of different photos with him and Aaron. And then he wrote, my heart is broken. Even though my brother and I have had a complicated relationship, my love for him has never, ever faded. I've always held on to hope that he would somehow, someday, want to walk a healthy path and eventually find the help that he so desperately needed. Sometimes we want to blame someone or something for a loss, but the truth is that addiction and mental illness is the real villain here. I will miss my brother more than anyone will ever know. I love you, Chiz. Now you can finally have the peace you could never find on earth. God, please take care of my baby brother. Listen, grief is so heavy, and despite how complicated a relationship may be, you're always going to like have an innate love there. And I would imagine like, you know, this is his baby brother and they were the two most famous of the Carters. Right. I think, I, I mean, at least in like pop music, pop culture sort of realm, Aaron and Nick were the ones that were really in the forefront and on the front lines, at least as far as I'm aware, I don't really remember hearing much about the other siblings. I remember they had a reality show at one point, but you know, it's, it's so unfortunate. Um, And so I think that there had to have been a natural bond being that they were the two in the family that were the most famous, that there was probably, there had to have been a a deeper kinship between the two of them. So, I mean, my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for, for, I was going to say for, for Aaron's family, but I mean, that's who I'm referring to. My heart breaks for them. And I just, I think loss is, is sad and it's tragic. Um, But if you want, if you do want to remember Aaron and kind of, you know, Listen to some I Want Candy. Watch the Liz McGuire episode. Um, if you do want a fun throwback moment, you can check out The Ringer. The Ringer Dish is doing 10 Days of Lindsay Lohan, where they're counting down to her new Netflix film, Falling for Christmas. 
I was on day two of 10 Days of Lindsay on the Ringer Dish, and it's where we covered the Lindsay versus Hillary feud over Aaron Carter and how Aaron was dating Hillary, and then Aaron went off to date Lindsay and that whole drama scandal. So if you want to go back and relive those glory days, you can tune into the Ringer Dish. 10 Days of Lindsay is currently happening right now. I believe the new Netflix film drops this week. No, next week. I think it drops next week. So day two. Listen to day two because that'll give you the Aaron throwback. It'll give you the Hillary inclusion. And and I'm on it. So I'm on day two. Go to go listen to The Ringer Dish right now. And you can always catch The Ringer Reality TV podcast where I do Kardashians recaps every week. Oof. Well, Thank you guys for joining in on an all new episode of No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me. You can always keep up with me at Just Plain Zach, or you can follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach on Instagram. Be sure to sign up for YouTube memberships at youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach. It is $2.99 a month, lots of fun, exclusive bonus content, and at least two live streams a month. So they are wild juicy f-u-n like i said we'll be talking about rena's receipts we'll be talking about um meeting sutton's assistant josh it's gonna be fun so be sure to to tune in to the members only live stream this thursday night after our regular our regularly scheduled live stream get ready for book club this tuesday we're reading matthew perry's book and stock up on some housewives watching wine at nofilterwine.com these four cans the potomac atlanta salt lake city and beverly hills cans are going to be expiring because we're going to be launching a holiday collection very very soon so these four will be expiring this month and then we will have two new designs that'll be launching very very soon so head over to nofilterwine.com 30% alcohol by volume but less than a gram of sugar all right guys i love you i appreciate you and i will talk to you later bye 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 bye